Hey guys, this is Steven Christina. I'm the founder, owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic-Con coverage all around? Well then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube and our new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Files version 2.0 on the following media distributors. Podbean, Google Play, Stitchers, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Class is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Welcome to Rock Candy. Your weekly podcast still bringing you sweet treats of crazy-ass stories from the paradise of music. Oh, Yeah. Ooh. We're your two beer-drinking bitches. I'm Maggie. <laughs> I'm Ashley. We are continuing our discussions on Guns N' Roses because there's a fucking lot. There's so much. I'm, I'm exhausted from yeah. all of these notes. Well, while it's been like a week for you guys... It's been we're a lifetime. Still, we're still doing this. We're still rolling deep. Yeah. And we're just moving on to a new beer. <laughs> and tonight, our beer is Hoptical Illusion by Blue Point Brewing, a tasty little East Coast IPA. Which is fucking delicious. Oh. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into the difference between these IPAs. East Coast, West Coast. East Coast IPAs and whatever, because it does not taste like an IPA. It tastes like a pale ale. Well, this one's called Biggie, because it's from the East Coast. (laughs) Nice. Oh, Jesus Christ. Stop it. Well, that is good. Right? Ooh. You know, it's like spicier Mm -hmm. than a usual IPA. It's nice. Good job, guys. Good job. Fuck yeah, Blue Point. And it's appropriate because we left off last episode yes. talking about the recording for Use Your Illusion. Yup. One and two. Yes. Which I was really surprised to discover they were simultaneously released. I yeah. didn't realize that. Which, you know, I was... That's a ballsy I was, move. Well, when I was doing the research, I was like, you know... It, it, this really is a double album. This is like the, the typical sophomore double album mm. that so many uh, bands that we've talked about tried to do. And but with varying guess, degrees of success. Oh, yeah. Because I guess it is a sophomore album, isn't it? Because it is. GNR Lies isn't really... I wouldn't really consider that. Because it's their... live mixed with previously recorded, right? Yeah. It's kind of mm. like how... Technically, Nevermind was the sophomore album for Nirvana. Right. But as far as anybody else knew, that was their... Nevermind was their debut album, and then In Utero was their sophomore album. Mm. But in between those two albums, Geffen released in um, Incesticide, which was a whole bunch of, like, B-sides and rarities and acoustics and stuff like that. Yo... Albums are weird. Yeah. And because, record labels were weird. Well, yeah, because you got EPs, you got LPs, you got single releases, then you get the remix releases, then you have live albums, then you have B-sides, right. and it's, well, what's an album and what's not an album? And fuck, man. Right. 
Shit's confusing. Yeah. So I would consider these two albums to be their sophomore album, and I would put them together, technically, even though they were released separately on the same day. Right. Because, I I mean, really, they're kind of like a double disc set. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. Right. Except they released them separately. Yeah. But at the same time. It's just different colored CDs. (laughs) Pretty much. They even had the same artwork in there. The same exact artwork. It just was different colors. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, so they, they, they hadn't even released these two albums yet. And months before the release date, they went on tour. Right. And it was bongers. Yeah. Basically. Because that's what Guns N' Roses is really known for, is being crazy pants on tour. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, for starters, Axel was consistently late for shows. Because that's his thing. Yeah. He would, he would also go off on rants on stage and was accused of inciting riots and attacking fans and security guards, security guards alike. Cool. And he was officially charged with inciting a riot in St. Louis that July. Ooh, ooh. Is this the story? There, There's several stories. Oh, that's a good point. 90 minutes into their set, he dove into the crowd yep. and tackled a fan that was recording their set. Yep. He pulled back. He was pulled back on stage where he threw a hissy fit, yelled, thanks for the lame ass security. I'm going home and walked off stage. Ne'er to return. Wait, so- did he really go home home? I don't think he went home. He right? just walked off stage. But it's just funny because, like, you're way far from home, dude. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> so some 2,500 pissed off fans started rioting, mm-hmm. causing $200,000 worth of damage to the Riverport Amphitheater and caused the band to lose most of their equipment. <gasps> Did they not take their fucking equipment with them? Well, I mean, they just walked off stage. What do you think is going to happen to your equipment when you just storm off stage like a young child? Yeah. So, I mean, I I assume that when they walked off stage, they just expected people to leave. And then after everybody left, they would tear down the set. Oh, honey, no. But no, No. they didn't leave. They started a riot in the amphitheater and basically bum-rushed the stage, overtook security, and just tore it down. I feel like the early 90s were really known for their riots. Okay, the 90s were just really known for their riots. Basically, yeah. Because I remember then there's like Woodstock 99. There was Woodstock 99. There was the Los Angeles riots. Right. There were, uh, yeah, I mean, like Metallica, there were some riots. There was this riot. (laughs) There's a lot of riots. Other riot Axel incited. Yeah, Axel. Axel, you're not, you don't have a great track record here, friendo. No. Not doing great. Though he was officially charged with inciting the riot, Axel wasn't arrested for it until nearly a year later, since the band was touring overseas. Eventually, he was convicted of inciting the riot and was fined to $50,000 and sentenced to two years of probation. Huh. But they didn't arrest him for a year, because for an entire year he was overseas touring, so they couldn't just make him come back. Huh. But as soon as he stepped a toe on American soil, his ass was in handcuffs. Huh. Huh. That's, like, intense. To yeah. Be like, yo, we are watching this motherfucker's movements. Minute he's on American soil, you yep. get this piece of shit. Because they knew it was high profile. Yeah. 
And he was so. probably like, all right, well, I'm, I'm sure everything's blown over by now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sweetie, no. Mm-mm. Honey, no. No. But another riot broke out. What? About no a year later, while on a mini tour with Metallica. Yep. This was the same infamous show where James Hetfield stepped into the stage pyrotechnics and suffered second degree burns. Yes. Well, Guns N' Roses could have saved the day for the confused fans that didn't know why Metallica's set was cut short. But thanks to Axel, they bungled the shit out of that. My Guns- throat hurts. Your throat hurts. So Guns N' Roses should have been able to go on stage early after Metallica abruptly ended their set. Right, and then like end the night early, have a nice mm. cool easy breezy. Mm. Oh, it all makes sense to us. Yeah, but I'm not <laughs> Axl Rose. <laughs> but they couldn't because Axl was nowhere to be found. He mm. was not even in the venue. I was like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. So the fans stood around and waited for Guns N' Roses to start their set. But an hour into it, Axel abruptly walked off stage. He said there were issues with his vocals and he couldn't hear himself and no one was listening to him or fixing it. And on top of that, he said his throat hurt. But the fans were pissed and started to riot in downtown Montreal, causing... Montreal. 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 It sounds fancy because I'm slightly drunk. Right? (laughs) I speak French better when I'm drunk. Yeah. (laughs) We <laughs> more pantaloon. What? Where are my pants? What about, what about pants? Where are my pants? <laughs> Where are my pants? That's like really my extent of French. It's yeah. fine. And Montreal. <laughs> Quebecois. Doesn't help you at all in any French speaking country. Whatever. What if I lose my pants? Yeah. Then what? I mean, all I can say in Italian is mi piace mangiare il pane, which means I like to eat bread. So that doesn't help me in any Italian speaking. Doesn't it though? Maybe depends on the situation. They'll give you bread. <laughs> I will never starve in Italy. There you go. Well, you'll never starve in Italy anyway. They'll be like, hey, you're skinny. Manja, manja. Yeah. I'm too skinny. Sure. Love it. Hey, no meats in the pastas. <laughs> anyway, so they started to riot in downtown Montreal, causing a cool four hundred thousand dollars worth of damage in their wake yeah that's ridiculous so like i get being angry but i'd probably just like kick something yeah or punch a street lamp i don't know i mean break my drumming hand i'd be pretty pissed off too if i spent like two hundred dollars on a Mm, ticket this was 92 do you think it was two hundred dollars yes Really? For good seats, yeah. I don't know. To see Metallica and Guns N' Roses? In 92. Yes. I don't know. At least $150. I kind of want to Google it, but keep going. (laughs) Metallica was understandably upset over the way the show went down after James's accident, and James, of course, made fun of Axel for being such a brat. Of course he did. Yeah. Because James is, in, in some respects, a total badass. I'm like, really, bro? Yeah. But if I wasn't on fire, I probably would have come back out. But I'm sorry, I was on fire. <laughs> but I was kind of on fire, so you know. But but you know, I get it. Your throat hurts. Oh, so. is your throat a little scratchy? My whole body's scratchy because I was on fire. Fuck. But you know, you go drink some chamomile tea, and he didn't even know. drink chamomile tea. Jason Newstead said he comes backstage and starts glugging a beer and smoking a fucking cig. And it's like, my throat hurts. 
imagine, I imagine that's how. <laughs> it's cream. It's my cream. My sore throat. <laughs> um, Axel responded by calling James a racist and a quote stupid little cocksucker. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. James is a racist. Yeah. Yeah. Choices, Axel. <laughs> Choices. You made them. They're not great. All of this garbage proved too much for Izzy Stradlin. In the oh, middle, God. in the middle of the tour, he abruptly quit the band, oh, no. citing his sobriety and Axel's mismanagement of the band as big reasons for quitting. So wait, is Izzy basically saying, "Guys, I'm too sober for this shit"? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what he's saying. Amazing. He at this point, he was even traveling in a separate bus from the rest of the band because he. His priorities and theirs were just completely different. That's fair. And he was sober and he stuck to being sober. So fucking good for him. Good for you, Izzy. Props. He was the first one to get sober and he stuck with it. So good for him. Yup. So the rest of the band was still entrenched in their hard partying ways, but he wasn't anymore. He was pissed off at Axel for his domineering ways and constant lateness and sabotaging shows. The final straw came during the Use Your Illusion tour when Axel demanded the other band members sign the rights to Guns N' Roses over to himself. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. What? He, he basically pulled the I'm not going to go on stage until all of you sign your rights to the band over to me. Yeah. Which seems to be his thing. What? Yeah. And this this was like a big thing for the rest of the band members because they really didn't want to do it. But they were also in the middle of a major fucking tour. Like here they are at the fucking peak of their height. Yeah. And they knew that Axel wasn't really bluffing. If they didn't do it, he was not going to go on stage. Axel isn't like a parent saying... I'm going to ground you for two weeks. He's not really bluffing if he threatens to not go on stage. Yeah. He's not going to do it. He will not do it. And if... I mean, he's not done it for lesser reasons. Exactly. So they knew he wasn't fucking around. So Izzy was over it and he wasn't going to put up with it and that kind of diva behavior. So he walks. Good for for you, bro. After his departure, Izzy was replaced by Gilby Clark of Kills for Thrills. Previously, Steven Adler had been replaced with Matt Sorum from The Cults, and they had also brought in Dizzy Reed on keyboards. But the new blood didn't rejuvenate the band. They released an album of covers they called The Spaghetti Incident, question mark. Appetite for spaghetti. (laughs) Or as Maggie calls it, appetite for spaghetti. I basically made it, oh my god, I'm gonna make a mashup of appetite for destruction and the spaghetti incident. Uh, And I'm gonna call it appetite for spaghetti. Where? (laughs) Because it still has to be a question. Where is girl talk when you need them? Arguably probably making a lot of money working on like video game soundtracks or something probably but put out another fucking album please please please. he still tours these two bitches want to dance i want to dance raw hard (laughs) i will dance my fucking taint off (laughs) goodbye taint i danced it off bye taint you done me good but taint misbehaving Uh, Can you tell we're still recording and still drinking? uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> so they released the spaghetti incident question mark in November 1993. She didn't do as well as her previous releases. A lot of people wonder about the title of this album and what it means. And why is it spaghetti? Why is it pictures of spaghetti? Let me tell you something. Tell me something. <laughs> in 1993, former Guns N' Roses drummer Steven Adler filed a lawsuit against the band, alleging he had been wrongfully fired. In the lawsuit, he claimed he had been fired for doing heroin when the band members were the ones that introduced him to the drug in the first place. Hmm. He also contended that the contract they made him sign before recording Your Illusion effectively stripped him of his writing credits. But going back a little bit, back when the band was staying in in a Chicago apartment in 1989, Stephen had a habit of storing his drugs in their refrigerator next to their Italian takeout leftovers and would refer to his stash as spaghetti. At one, <laughs> at one point during the later trial, a lawyer said to Stephen, tell us about the spaghetti incident. <laughs> the band thought it was pretty funny, so they used it as the album title. That's, you know what? That's pretty hilarious. I hope Steven Adler took it in stride and was like okay with it. I would like it. to think he did. I I would think so. He seems like a pretty jovial fellow. I feel like when you are a recovering drug addict, having a sense of humor is going to get you through it. Yeah, it's kind of key. Yeah. If you want to get through it. Having a sense of humor is kind of key to getting through any bad situation. Yup. So, a so. piece of advice for those of you Getting over whatever you need to get over. Have a bit of a sense of humor about it. Even if it's dark, fucked up humor, you still have to have... You gotta have it. You gotta have it. Roll with it. Don't let the darkness take you over. Make fun of the darkness. Yeah. With spaghetti. (laughs) Or heroin. You know, whichever. Don't do heroin. Don't Just don't do heroin. Don't do heroin. Humor, not heroin. Yes. Humor, not heroin. There There you go. go. Hashtag humor, not heroin. (laughs) Eventually, they agree- They agreed to an out-of-court settlement of $2.5 million Whoa. and 15% royalties to Stephen Adler. But Stephen would continue to have a drug addiction problem for many years to come, oh. though he still continues to make music today. And eventually, I want to say in 2006, he actually had a... It was like a drug-induced stroke. Oh my god. And it left him with a speech impediment. Oh, my God. Like, he's still totally functional and completely with it. And he right. he's still uh, making music. And he has his own band called, I believe it's just called Adler. It used to be called Adler's Appetite. But then I think he kind of had lineup changes. And Was then... it Adler's Appetite for Spaghetti? <laughs> yes. Not leaving it alone. Not dropping it. <laughs> it should have been. That I was mean, the first album. Honestly, it should have been that. <laughs> But the band never toured for the Spaghetti Incident. In fact, the last show of the Use Your Illusion tour in Buenos Aires, Argentina, would be the last Guns N' Roses show with this lineup. Right. Were there even... Fuck. And it's like I just listened to it the other day. Were there really... Wasn't any, like, real awesome hit off of Spaghetti, was there? No. It was pretty much just a... um, it was just a, a an album of covers, and most of them were punk rock covers. Mm. And actually, Duff sang lead on, I think, four of the tracks. 
See, the reason I like Duff is because he was like the punk rock guy mm. in the hair metal band. Yeah. He was really into the whole punk rock scene and that's what he brought to Guns N' Roses yeah. when he was in the band. And I think he had a lot of influence on the Spaghetti Incident because there were so many punk rock covers, tributes, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's still like the the punk rock dude in the band. And also he's cute, so yeah. that helps. You're kind of a sucker for that cute punk rock guy, aren't you? I just like the tall guys. Me too. Hmm. Me too. <laughs> tall guys don't like me, but I like them. Yeah, tall guys like short chicks. It's real weird. Oh, it's so don't weird. I know it? It's so weird to see like six foot six dudes with like five foot three chicks. Don't I know it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Pretty much every guy I've dated, seriously, is either my height or a little shorter than me. And if I wore, if I wear wedges, even. Or just like a two-inch heel, I'm pretty much six feet tall. Yeah. There are dudes who are six feet plus, but they are like, oh, are you like, you like a great big tall big woman? <laughs> I'm not into you. <laughs> no, is that girl 5'2"? Yo, I she's st- cute. Yo, she will cute. I could step on her. You won't step on me. Cool. Thanks, bro. It's weird because it like- It is really weird. Like, taller women- like taller men but mm-hmm. taller men like shorter women it's really annoying just like tattooed women like tattooed men but mm. tattooed men like untattooed women really do you oh. ever notice that no think about it although i am with an an untattooed man who refuses to ever get a tattoo so maybe See? there's something behind it but your mic's tattooed my mic is tattooed. He's one in a million for many reasons. He's, he is one in a million, isn't he? He is. Axel Rose. No, he's not racist. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that Buenos Aires show is the last one with the original Guns N' Roses line, or quote unquote original Guns N' Roses lineup. Yeah, I mean, like, at that point they had three newer members from what, what they had originally started out with, I think. Because yep. they lost Izzy, they lost Steve, and they lost somebody else. Um, y- yeah. Whatever. Yeah. They lost Whatever. people. Yeah. Um, Dropping anyway. like flies. But anyway, the, the band continued to record new music sporadically in the mid-90s amid a bunch of high-profile run-ins with the law on Axel's part. Huh. In 1994... He found himself with a domestic abuse lawsuit filed against him by both his ex, Stephanie Seymour, and his ex-wife, Erin Everly. Oh. Both accused Axel of domestic abuse and sexual battery, but it was Erin that came forward to the press with her story about the agony and abuse she suffered during the six years she was in a relationship with him. She told People Magazine about his rage and jealousy that seemed to erupt without warning, and how he would take out his anger on her. She lost most of her friends because of her relationship with Axel, who wouldn't allow her to do anything unless he was present, and how he had taken off all of their apartment doors so he could always keep an eye on her. Jesus. He regularly beat her, which sabotaged her modeling career, since she couldn't go to photo shoots and risk risk letting other people see the bruises he left all over oh my her God, body. Of course, Jesus. She said he she said she stayed with him because not only would he always immediately apologize, but she felt sympathy for him when he would blame it all on his fucked up childhood. 
and the lawsuit mm. was settled out of court. Come on, Ashley. It's her own fault for not leaving him. <laughs> right? She could have left him at any time. She could have left him at any time. This is all her fault. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, dumb bitches, if you're in an abusive relationship, you just leave it. That's how that works. Yeah, what's wrong with you? What's you wrong can't with just you? Leave. Just leave. I just want to throw it out there. We're being really sarcastic in yeah. case you can't tell. Yeah. Fucking abuse is real. Stockholm syndrome's real. Fuck you. Like, that's fucked up. And honestly- Don't be a piece of shit. Don't fucking abuse your fucking woman you're right. with. Or man you're with. Don't abuse the person you're with. And I'm pretty sure she was 19 oh, when she started Jesus. dating him. And, that's you know, young. in her defense, she had a pretty fucked up childhood, too. I think Don Everly had a lot of drug issues, and he also had a lot of mental health issues. Oh. And she, he was not around for her when she was growing up, mm-hmm. and her mother really struggled. So she had her own, you know, her right. own internal issues. Right. And, of course, that had some kind of effect on her relationship with Axel. So when she met him and started dating him when she was 19, and I believe he was 20, 24? Okay. Mm. Mid-20s. Yeah, twenty, early 20s. You know, he at, at the point that they started dating, he was already this, like, super cool hard rock guy that wore leather pants and had the hair and he was cute and you know he he had all the connections and he was partying and he was the cool dude on the scene yeah so of course she was mesmerized by this guy and then you find out he has a terrible past he also had a fucked up childhood like she did dad leaves so you're finding out all these things about him that you can kind of and you relate use, to each other with. And you use that as an excuse for his awful fucking behavior. And especially because you can sympathize with it and say, well, I understand because I too had a fucked up childhood. So right. I understand. So I'm going to be kinder to you and I'm going to have more patience for you. And he's going to exploit it. Right. And before you know it, you have no friends left. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything without his supervision. And he's controlling every single aspect of your life. Yeah. And on top of that, he's beating the shit out of you whenever he feels like it. So. Yeah. It, I completely understand where she's coming from. And yeah. it's not like she wanted to bring this lawsuit against him. She actually didn't even do it. Um, Stephanie Seymour, who was a very famous supermodel at the time, oh. and she dated Axel after he and Aaron Everly broke up. Mm-hmm. She was the one who brought the court case against him, and she subpoenaed Aaron Everly to testify on her behalf. Yeah. Because she she must have known that there was something going on with their relationship. So she subpoenaed Aaron to come and testify for her. And then Aaron was kind of the one that went to the press and was like, you know what? This shit happened. Yeah. And people need to know about it because he's. He's kind of a piece of shit for it. Yes. Yes, he is. Absolutely a piece of shit for it. And I really don't think that people at the time even believed her or Stephanie Seymour. Oh, I'm sure they didn't. And people still don't believe women and it's 2018. So yeah, in the early 90s. still mesmerized by Axl Rose because he was Axl Rose. Yeah. And they didn't want to believe them. Axl do anything like that. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if they necessarily didn't believe Aaron and Stephanie. I think they actually maybe kind of did, but 
because it was the early 90 early to mid 90s and he was a success he was a successful white guy yeah they were just like well whatever i get it like it's hard to believe that your hero might be capable of being a garbage human being right but you know what we're all capable of being garbage human beings that doesn't mean that someone's story isn't true or isn't worth listening to right and isn't worth taking seriously right so fuck that but i kind of feel like maybe the judge that was presiding over the case kind of did listen to the women in this case good and as soon as it started to seem like axel wasn't gonna win this then they started negotiations for settling out of court okay but at this point, the state of Guns N' Roses was completely up in the air. Because this is after, okay, so this is after Spaghetti Incident. This was after the Use Your Illusion Tour, after the Spaghetti Incident. Izzy had quit. Quit, yep. And the various members of the band would wander into a studio every once in a while to record, but a full album never really materialized. Hmm. They would talk to the press and indicate something was in the works, but couldn't really say an album was forthcoming. And sort of play a he said, he said game with Uh, the press. Yeah, sounds about right. (laughs) Like, whereas Slash would tell one magazine that Axel was writing most of the the material, Axel would turn around and say it wasn't true, and so on, and so forth. Uh, It it really turned into a caddy back and forth between all the band members, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point, like, one person said that, an album was written and recorded and finished. Oh my. And then Axel came out and was like, no, that's completely untrue. That's bullshit. Who even so, knows? Um, okay. But either way, nothing was really getting done in the studio and the band wasn't playing any shows either. They did record a song for the interview with a vampire soundtrack, but that would prove to be the final straw for the original lineup. Oh. After calling in a, a childhood friend named Paul Tobias to play guitar, Slash Is he would- a never nude? <laughs> Sorry. That I thought the exact same thing. So when you hear the name Tobias, if you don't think Paul- never nude, you've never seen Arrested Development. If you don't think Paul Tobias Funke and his never nude troubles. <laughs> oh. But anyway. So uh, after calling in childhood friend Paul Tobias to play guitar, Slash would quit the band for good. Apparently, Paul and Slash did not get along well. Oh. Slash saying that Paul tried to make the band all about himself. Wait a minute. This was Slash's friend? No, this was Axel's friend. Oh, okay. This was Axel's childhood friend. Sorry. No, I I Um, think you... I just misheard you. uh, But Slash said uh, Paul tried to make the band all about himself, and Axel gave him way too much creative control. So in October 1996, Slash officially quit the band. Damn. This left Duff and Matt Sorum to fend for themselves. Oh. But Matt said goodbye shortly afterwards when he also started fighting with Axel over the inclusion of Paul Tobias, whom he described as the Yoko Ono of Guns N' Roses. Oh, no. He's the Chad. He really is. He's the real Chad of the group here, oh, guys. He's such a Chad. <laughs> Everyone's like, Axel, how do you not see this fucking asshole? And Axel's like, no, no, he's really cool, guys. You just gotta give him a chance. And everyone's like... No, Axel, he's not really cool. He's the Kevin Owens of Guns N' Roses. Damn. You're welcome. Shots fired, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is a Chad. Come Sorry. for us. He's a fucking Chad. 
She's doing Come it. Come for me, WWE. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Here, I'm doing it. I'm calling him out. Chad Owens. <laughs> it's like Chad oh, with a K. Chad Owens is like the most Chad name in all of Chadland. <laughs> I'm the king of Chad. I'm Chad Owens. Chad king of the Chad world. Oh my god. Too much uh, Chad. Anyway. <laughs> All I'm picturing now is Kevin Owens playing guitar in Guns N' Roses. But, like, he still is wearing his wrestling gear. Yes! Yes, exactly. Yeah, but it looks ridiculous Ugh. on so many levels. Anyway. <clears throat> so, that left Duff to fend for himself. Yeah. But he decided to quit the band in 1997 after his pancreas exploded because <gasps> of years of hard drinking. Literally exploded. That can happen? Yes, that can happen. Let that be a warning. As to you, me? As you stare at the six pack we have sitting in front of You wouldn't do that to me, would you, beer? No, Maggie, never. Okay, good. No. See, the beer promise. <laughs> do you want to go out for ice cream beer? Yeah. All right. Well, see, my pancreas is fine. Hey, Pancreas, you doing all right? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go for some ice cream, Pancreas? Yeah. All right. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. We're going to go to ice cream. Is ice cream bad for your Pancreas? I don't... I have no idea what is bad for your Pancreas. I don't even know what your Pancreas does. You know, weird... Except a- for explode if you drink too much. Weird Al has a song about your Pancreas and explains what it does. Really? Yeah. I should listen to Weird Al more. You really should, though. I really I should. heard the original song that I lost on Jeopardy was based on this morning, <laughs> but all I can hear is the Weird Al version. Like, that's the best. Yeah. When you hear the original song, but all you think is the Weird Al version. I... Why is... Has Weird... I don't think Weird Al's ever covered a Guns N' Roses song. But I can imagine if he went and asked Guns N' Roses... To cover one of his songs or parody one of their songs, Axel wait, wait, would wait, 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 100%. Wait, wait. I'm Weird Al. Hey, uh, hey, Axel, can I cover one of your songs? No. <laughs> what about for some ice cream? Maybe. <laughs> nah, I still wouldn't do it. Rainbow a- sprinkles. Sorry, kids playing at home. I just like doing the Axel voice. I, I really like ax- asking Axel if he'll do anything for ice cream, because that's <laughs> pretty much what I have assumed at this point, is that Axel Rose will do anything for ice cream. If only the members of the band figured out <laughs> again early on that they could do anything with Axel if you they just hired, offered him ice cream. You should have hired five-year-old Maggie. You should have. Because she knows what's up. I mean, five-year-old Maggie can tap into five-year-old Axl Rose mm-hmm. and be like, yo, ice, ice cream. ice cream? And Axl be like, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Duff's pancreas exploded. Fuck, that sucks. So he quit the band. <sighs> so now all of the original members of the band, aside from Axl, had left, and Axl's state of mind plummeted downhill. Huh. No way. (laughs) You don't say. By the late 1990s, he essentially became a recluse and holed himself (gasps) up in his Malibu mansion, coming out only to work on 
work in the recording studio and try to look for new band members. And come out for that behind the music they did on him, too, I think. Did he actually come out for that? I thought he did. Oh. Why? Of all things. I don't know. Of all things. I didn't... I watched it a long time ago. Now I need to rewatch it. Yeah. But he went through a slew of musicians trying to fill out the band roster, but no one ever stuck around for too long. Because he went from being crazy to even crazier? Pretty much. There was a really weird mashup of people that signed onto the Guns N' Roses roster in the late 90s as Axel desperately tried to keep the band alive. Two former members of Nine Inch Nails, Zach Wilde, failure drummer Kelly Scott, and of course guitarist Buckethead, plus a bunch of others joined, then quit or got fired, and even Moby was supposed to produce the album at one point. I remember that. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Moby? Two meh tastes that taste (laughs) together. (laughs) That's only, and that's only a thing that I can come up through sound effects. I can't even come up with real words for that. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, because, well, so. Don't try to justify Moby. I'm not justifying Nobody can justify Moby. I'm coming up with, like, my solution to this, or what would have happened, I should say. So Moby only knows how to sample music, right? Yeah. And later on, Axl Rose pretty much only covered songs, right? Yeah. So it would just be amalgamation of amalgamation is that how you say it nope cut that out never mind keep going no i'm keeping it because i uh, amalgam <laughs> amalgamation Amal- you got it there amalgamation. you go amalgamation there we, we got go there. yo we're still going guys wow we're this a lot a of lot. beers we're a lot of beers deep the fact that i could even remember that that was a word <laughs> is kind of impressive the point is i feel like it would just have been an album of samples and covers and it would have been probably a little, like, weird, but very poppy. But what if it was an album of samples of older Guns N' Roses songs yes. made into new Guns N' Roses songs? And then they used them for a bunch of Nissan commercials. I just inceptioned myself. We inceptioned Guns N' Roses with Moby. <laughs> uh, where's Leonardo DiCaprio? Still watching that top spin. <laughs> hey, he's got his Oscar. He's got nothing better to do now. He don't give no shits he anymore. No fucks. He's he got, got his Oscar. He got fucked uh, by got a bear. Oscar. He got his Oscar. He got his Oscar. Prairie dogs. Prairie dogs. He got fucked by a bear. <laughs> he didn't get fucked by the bear. Didn't he, though? He got fucked up by the bear. Mm. Did you see Revenant? You didn't see Revenant, did you? Mm-mm. You don't know. I know, but I did hear it go. He got fucked by a bear. He and did not. the Oscar. No. Are you sure? Yes, I saw mm. the movie. It was really good. I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> it was legitimately really good. However. I just feel like there's a lot of other movies he should have won an Oscar for. And how- that's why award shows are bullshit. However, he should not have won the Oscar for that movie Tom Hardy should have because Tom Hardy was fucking baller in that movie. What movie? The Revenant. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Jeez, can we continue, please? I didn't know he was in it. Yes, he's like the main bad guy. Oh, now he was I really, really see good, it. right? Like I, I kind of wanted to see it for the bear fucking scene. But, 
But like, now I really want to see it because I like Tom Hardy sometimes when he's casted properly. Like in Mad Max, he was really good. Well, yeah, I mean, he but everyone he barely talked in Mad Max. Yeah, he doesn't do great with American accents or Bane accents. He doesn't do good with any accents. Period, because he basically mumbles and he has a completely indiscernible accent. I don't. I never know what accent is real. How did we get onto Tom Hardy's accents? I don't know. I don't care, but I want to keep talking about Tom Hardy because I like him. Moby. No. That's how we got here. (laughs) Anyway, every time a new musician came on board and inevitably left, Axel would insist on rewriting or re-recording the songs that they worked on. Geffen planned to release the album, which was now told to the press was going to be called Chinese Democracy. Yes. This was like by early 2000s, right? This wasn't even 2000. Shut up. Wait, really? Yeah, this was 1999. Um, He finally told the press that he was going to call it Chinese Democracy. Is that because he thought there would never be democracy in China? So... He wouldn't have to worry about ever putting on an album. The, the only explanation of the the title of the album that I could find was that basically Axel saw a movie called, was it Kundun? I think that's the that name. That sounds like a movie. But it was about the Dalai Lama and oh. how he uh, how he was basically smuggled from China to Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody that helped him was shot and killed by the Chinese government. Oh, jeez. So he, like, Axel went on some long rant about that, and that's why it's called Chinese democracy. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sure, Axel, you do but you. But it's sure. I mean, he called it Chinese democracy, but Geffen planned to release the album in 1999, but instead, Axel decided to re-record the entire thing in 2000. His insane perfectionism became legendary and was pretty much the main reason why the album took so long to finish. Meanwhile, an eager fan base waited with bated breath for the album to drop, but Axel just couldn't get his shit together. Because at this point, Guns N' Roses is just Axel, right? Right. It's pr- at this point, in like 1999, 2000. Yeah. Maybe later, maybe even later. Arguably, um, yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like for a good po- a good chunk of the early aughts, Axel was kind of him and he had session players, maybe? It's not even he- that he had session players. It's that, like, he would get people to come in and join the band and they would be in the band for a few months and then they'd be like, mm, no, I'm leaving. So he would announce that this person or so-and-so was joining the band, and then, like, less than six months later, they were like, yo, peace, I'm out. Oh, man. Like, no. And then every time somebody would come in and record something and write something, he would kind of just take that, and then they would leave, and then he would re-record it or rewrite it or something like that this is exhausting yeah well that's why it took so fucking long because every time somebody came in and left it was like he felt like he had to rework what they wrote with what he wrote with that person and he still wanted to use it but it it had to be rewritten in order for it to be axel's and not theirs right so it was 
kind of ridiculous. It it got to a really, really ridiculous point. And by 2005, Geffen even got tired of waiting for the album to come out, and they decided to pull funding for the project. Oh. At that point, Axel allegedly has been, had spent $13 million of Geffen's money on its production, which would make it the most expensive album ever produced. Holy shit. Yeah. And from then on, it was Axel's responsibility to pay for the album. Geffen wasn't going to pay for it anymore. I can't blame them. And I can guarantee that most of that $13 million was spent on all the high-profile musicians that were just coming in and out of that studio. And he wasn't even using the shit anyway. Yeah, and just either paying for their time to record and their time to write, or paying for any royalties that he had to give to them after that album came out. He still had to give them writing credits if they wrote anything. And royalties. That stayed on that album. Holy shit. That's insane. Yeah. Did he become Fat Axel at this point? At some point during this time, he became Fat Axel. Ooh. I kind of love Fat Axel. Fat Axel. Fat Axel and unfortunate hairstyles. Cornrows. Them cornrows were a bad idea. Honey, no. Especially with, like, a lot of the things that you've said. Yeah. Ooh, you don't get to have those. You, and, you know, he tried to redeem himself. With some of the, uh, you know, with some of the things he said in that one in a million song. Right. He contributed to the um, Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Wow. Okay. Um, he did a lot of collaboration with Elton John. Mm-hmm. He actually inducted Elton John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Huh. And Elton John was a big influence on him. Interesting. So I and actually um some pro LGBT groups were protesting his inclusion in the Freddie Mercury tribute concert hmm. but he performed anyway. Okay. Um basically because Brian May knew that he was a big fan of Queen and of Freddie Mercury as you should be. As you should be. As a human and allowed him to stay on the roster for the okay. for the show. Huh. And he actually ended up collaborating a lot with Brian May after that. Hmm. So, you know. Now you're him. making me have to respect him, and I don't know how I feel about that. But when it comes to race relations... Oh, no, he's still not great on that. He still can't have those cornholes. Yeah. I mean, apparently, he is not a supporter of the Trump administration. Oh, so yeah. I'm okay with that. However, I think he has been outspoken about that. Yes. However, Axel highly confuses me. I think he highly confuses himself. And I don't know which side of the fence he's on. And he's so unpredictable that I'm I am not going to throw my entire, you know, support behind him in any way. Right. I will just stand back and be like all right, I agree with you, or oh no, fuck you. Yeah. I I can't, I can't no, with him. I can't no. with Axel. That's fair. That's more than fair. Yeah. So when all was said and done, it took nine years for Chinese democracy to be written and recorded. And on November 23rd, 2008, yep. it was finally released. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it was an album. It sure was. That they made. That Axel made. 
It, it came out. It sure did. Yup. <laughs> Highly anticipated. Oh. Everybody I, was really excited about this one. Yeah. I, I mean, I tried. Trying counts. I think we both tried. You arguably tried harder than I did. I I tried. And maybe, you know what? No. I'm not even going to bullshit anybody. I'm not going to go back and try and listen to no. this album again. No. Because I listened to about half of it and I liked the song Chinese Democracy. I did too. And I liked the song Street of Dreams. I'll go back and listen to that. It Street of Dreams was like straight up throwback to 80s power ballads. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. I mean, title alone sounds like a fucking 80s ballad. Exactly. And arguably it is because the band Rainbow has a 80s power ballad called Street of Dreams. Oh. But it's not the same song. It's different. Okay. And Axel's vocals on that track are superb. Okay. Exemplary. Nice. Vocals. Granted... You can tell through the whole album that life really caught up with Axel. Yeah. He still really has that vocal range. He can do the deep notes. He can do the high notes. He can do the powered screeching thing that he always was known for. Mm -hmm. But you can tell he's getting up there. Yeah. I mean, you can't hold it against someone for age, at least. Right. Because nobody can really keep that up. And that's fine. Right. Nobody's asking you Especially to. Especially if you're a smoker, if you're a drinker. I know he was never a really hard drug, drug he taker. He was a hard smoker, though. But he was a hard smoker. And arguably, that's the worst. Out of the trio, that's what fucks smoking up Smoking is what will fuck you up because it's socially acceptable. You can do it anytime, anywhere. You know, like drugs and drinking, not always accepted. So but, you might have to be sneakier about it, might not be able to do it as much. But, aren't, and you aren't as encouraged to stop smoking back in the day as you yeah. were to stop drinking or uh, doing drugs. Right. Now and, you're much more encouraged. And but. also, if you're more of a drinker than a drug person, mm. um, smoking cigarettes and drinking kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I've if never been somebody who smoked. Me either. So, like, drinking, I never thought about, the most I've ever done is smoke a cigar on a special occasion with a beer, but... I've right. never. And halfway through, I'm like, I don't like this. Yeah, I need a, I need a <laughs> tiny stogie. Like, I need a stogite. <laughs> Stoget? Stoget. Yeah. Ooh, are those a thing? <laughs> we don't... should make those a thing. That's a business adventure right there. There we go. Stogettes. Don't take our idea. Don't take our idea, guys. Anyway. But yes. Um. Yeah, it's, it's fair that as you get older... Your voice is going to catch up on you. But yeah, in a yeah. lot of the songs on Chinese Democracy, his voice holds up. So good for you on it that. It does hold up. But at the All same time, the album itself, I, I believe, is questionable. I would say other than, granted you didn't finish it and I didn't finish it, but from what we heard, other than the tracks you mentioned, a lot of it's kind of third wave new metal garbage. It is like putting... Guns and Roses through a new metal filter. Yes. It sounds like, remember, in the same time period, Metallica put out St. Anger. and About it was five like, years before that, yeah. It was 
it was like Metallica doing new metal. Yeah, it was bad. This, this was like Guns N' Roses trying to do new metal. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. And there's, you know, two, three-ish decent tracks. Yeah. There's a couple things you can listen to. You'd be like, all right, this isn't, this is fine. I can, I yeah. can roll with this. But it, it really kind of sounded like Fred Durst was writing all of Guns N' Roses material. Except the fucking DJ guy scratching the records wasn't there. Oh, God. That was the only thing it was really missing. Okay, so maybe Korn was writing all of Guns N' Roses there you go. material. Right? There you go. With slightly less heavy bass tracks. Yeah. It was and more guitar solos. Yeah, still not great. It was really, really not worth the wait, guys. It was severely two uh, thousands, pretty late, and not worth the wait. Yeah, I would say. But <laughs> despite that, and despite Axel's pretty unfortunate choice of hairstyle at the time, they played a handful of shows leading up to the release, which were well received. Yeah. The album itself was also well received, but no one was super crazy about it. No. Enjoyed my What do you mean? What do you mean it was well received? What critic listened to that was like, No, it was. was. This was really worth the wait, guys. It was yeah, no. It it was actually well received. A lot of I would say it was enjoyed mildly. Two and a half stars. Yeah. Enjoyed mildly. Enjoyed mildly. That is my characterization of of the album's reception. <laughs> I mean, I guess we did say there are two or three good ones on there, so... <laughs> and that was about it. And out of, like, what, 13, 12 something, tracks? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, something All like right. that. But, I guess it's not the worst. But, I mean, I feel like their live shows were more well-received. Because they would do the shit that people want to hear, like Sweet Child of Mine yeah, in November exactly. Rain. Yeah, exactly. And they would still do them well, and Buckethead was there. <laughs> so It's like a weird dream. And Buckethead was and there, Buckethead. and they played November Rain. That just sounds like a fever dream I've had. Yeah, pretty much. Who the fuck is Buckethead? Uh, he's a weird dude. Does he's... he actually wear a bucket on his head? Yeah. You have you ever seen? A I mean, like of him? I, I'm. Here's the thing. When you said Buckethead, I pictured a man in like a jumpsuit with a bucket for a head, and I feel like <laughs> is that a real thing or did I make this up? That's a real thing though, kind isn't of. it? I feel. I feel like maybe the jumpsuit thing probably is real, but he he would wear like a plain mask. And he had like long, kind of curly. Was he? What was he with? Like Marilyn Manson or no, Slipknot? He was just kind of this dude that I think bounced around and wore a bucket on his and head and wore a KFC bucket on his head. Yeah. Huh. And I think he. I think he probably made his name as like a session guitarist, huh. but he ended up playing with a lot of um, prominent hard rock bands. Choices. Then he made a choice to have a KFC bucket on his head. So he sure did. He sure did. All right. But anyway. Yeah. Buckethead. Continue. (laughs) I'm still digesting that. But I mean, a lot of people really had a lot of good things to say about their live shows that led up to the release of Chinese Democracy. Okay. And with the, you know, pretty moderate to warm 
uh, mild. reception. <laughs> mild. The mild reception. The, uh, yeah. Lukewarm. Mildly enjoyable reception of. 2.5, 2.75. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pushing three. Oh. Maybe three and a half. Oh. Yeah. Um, it was you know, pretty well received and did pretty good. And people were like, hmm, yeah, worth the almost 10 year wait, I guess. Okay. Even though I don't think so. Nope. But anyway. Yeah. After that. Yes. Uh, the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, they in were. In 2012. Mm-hmm. During which last minute. Axel decided to bail yeah. on the whole ceremony. In an eloquently written letter. Devoid of all the rage and ridiculousness of his songs. Yeah. According really actually, to the New Yorker. According to the New Yorker, it's pretty legalese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I really wanted to be like, well, he did say, though, he didn't feel like they... Well, who was getting inducted reflected the current lineup of Guns N' Roses, which really, Buckethead, that's what you want to be remembered by? I think at that point, Buckethead may not have even been All right. a part when of When Buckethead it. leaves your band. When you can't even keep Buckethead in your bands. He's wearing KFC Something's wrong. for a head. Something's wrong. Fucking Axl Rose, come the fuck on. I kind of feel like he maybe thought he was going to get paid to be there. And then when he found out he wasn't going to get paid the day before the ceremony, he was like, oh, this is unacceptable. I'm Axel fucking Rose. No. No, he wasn't doing it, though. (laughs) He was not about this. So, but in the meantime, everybody else that had been in the band was kind of doing really good. Right? And just about everybody released their own autobiography. Yeah. Oh, man. Seriously. Slash had an autobiography. Duff had an autobiography. Uh, Steven Steven Adler had had an autobiography. Um, Axel, where's yours? Where's yours? I thought that was the name of his autobiography. (laughs) Where's Where's yours? yours? (laughs) There you go. We already have a title. All right, Axel. You're welcome. We won't even ask for royalties. You don't even really have to write it. You just got to get somebody that will sit and listen to you and type it up themselves. There you go. Ghostwriter. Yeah. And at some point, Slash, Duff, and Matt Sorum all formed Velvet Revolver. Which was a great band. Were they? I liked Velvet Revolver. I did not. Really? No. Really? I did not like Velvet. I fully understand their importance and their uh prolific nature i guess and all of the hits they had and whatever oh but i always lumped them and audio slave together because oh. they were both out at the same time and they right. were both super groups and i could not stand either one of them i also like audio slave <laughs> i fucking hate them i think i hate them mostly because i heard them so much. It, I will. I will give you that. And I felt the same way about um, Incubus. Yes. I felt like when they first all came out. If I hear Drive, still. If I hear Drive on the radio, I, think I rage. I didn't hear it for long enough to like when I hear it now. I'm like, 
oh no, this is actually a really good song. It's not their fault that radio is terrible. Yeah. And will outplay really good songs. But if I hear any other song from that Incubus album, I love it. Stellar is still a fucking Mm. fantastic song. And I still love it when I hear it. But the only Incubus song anybody ever plays anymore is fucking Drive. And I can't deal with it. But either way, I liked Velvet Revolver. <laughs> and I liked Audio Slave. But I, I mean, don't know. I'm not going to be mad at you for that because individually, but individually, the musicians that were in those bands, I liked. Right. And I guess when you look at both groups, they suffered from the same thing of where their lead singer left. Yeah. And so they're like, all right, well, let's just fucking do our own thing. Right. And they found a different lead singer somewhere else. Because, you know, I like Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. I like Chris Cornell. Right. It would make sense that I would like them together, but it didn't. But again, I wonder if it was just because the radio was like, hey, you can hear us every five minutes. I think it was that on top of the idea. It was that on top of the fact that I thought that at least... In yeah, in Audio Slave and Velvet Revolver's cases, I thought that their music was kind of generic. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was they re- were very of the time. Yes, that and, they came out. You know, I feel like they would tour with Buck Cherry if they hadn't at the time. And you know what? They can't now. Neither of them can. Why? Oh, because of both of their. Oh, both yeah. of their leads. Like, yeah. Like, oh, too, yeah. Oh, too soon. Is it? Ugh. Is it? Ugh. It is, though. It is, though, guys. Like, we still got Justin Bieber. <laughs> we still have Axl Rose. I would even take Axl Rose over Justin Bieber. Oh, no. i take Axl over Bieber any day. Yeah. You know what, Axl? You're all right. <laughs> when you're, you know what, Axel? When you're right, you're right. And right now, next to Justin Bieber, you're right. You're right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But you're right, though. I Like, Slash, Duff, like, a lot of the guys in the band, they were doing just fine. They arguably didn't really need Guns N' Roses anymore. They found success in their own no, right. No, yeah. And, you know, good for them for finding success in a new band after yeah. the one that they were in for a really long time kind of just blew up. Yeah. Like Duff's pancreas. Poor Duff. Poor Duff's pancreas. He's doing real good now, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's fixable. And he still he still looks real good. So but You know what? Honestly, that's what matters. <laughs> if we're going to get anything out of this, it's that Duff still looks real good. He does. Slash doesn't, but Duff looks real good. You know what they should have done was have Fat Slash and Fat Axel make a fat super group. <laughs> yes. Fat old dudes. I love it. Give me that fat bod any day. Aww. I'll take it. <laughs> but they've continued. They're still making music as far as I know. Yeah. Or well, trying to, at least. I don't know what the fuck happened. They've, they've up finally to right reunioned. Now. Oh, yeah, they did reunion in 2016 and yep. 17 for the Not in This Lifetime tour. Which is a reference to Axl Rose in an interview way years before. Saying, when someone asks him, is there ever going to be a reunion? And Axel Rose says, not in this lifetime. <laughs> and then he's like, well, I guess I better eat those words. Yep. Put that foot straight in your mouth. Yeah. I don't even know what brought them back together. 
money. That'll do it. That's always what brings them back together is money. I mean, honestly, yeah. And you look at like Van Halen, they're doing the same thing. Yeah, because they all need money. But like what they need to do, though, is throw Hagar into the mix and fucking bring back Michael Anthony. He's too busy making his hot sauce. No, bring back Michael Anthony. He's he's what made Van Halen. He was the best member he of really Van Halen. He was the best member of Van Halen, though. <laughs> Let's make sure it's to say bring back Michael Anthony. Hashtag. Hashtag bring, bring back, back Michael, Michael Anthony. Anthony. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these older groups are coming back together now because they're like, we're not getting any younger right. and money. And people still want to see us. They do. Like, I would see Guns N' Roses. I would too, but I mean. But like probably like spec. I wouldn't go to like an indoor arena. I'd go to like a nice outdoor thing. I mean, I'm not going to blow hundreds of dollars that's why i'd like to think like an outdoor them. arena would be like 50 bucks and i'd sit on the lawn and just chill i don't think they would do that though they wouldn't they you they would have to do an arena tour yeah because they're not gonna go to some like half-assed amphitheater where people can just spend 50 dollars and see them they're they're not journey okay hey i saw they're not journey hey i saw a journey heart and cheap trick for like 25 dollars on the lawn it's back and it was amazing yeah because they do that every single year guns and roses doesn't guns and roses does not they are they're like metallica or fleetwood mac who tours once in a while Mm -hmm. and can get away with you know you know charging $250 for a crappy seat. Yeah. And we'll pay it because we're like, yo, they ain't getting any younger. (laughs) They ain't. Which is, which was exactly our um, argument for getting tickets to Fleetwood Mac and Metallica. Yeah. It's like, well, how many more times am I going to get this chance? Just take it now. Because who knows? I'll be a day I cry. I don't have any of them go. Jesus. Fleetwood Mac or Metallica? Both. Yeah. I'll be real upset. I'm not going to shed a tear when Lindsay Buckingham dies, but any other member of the band, I would be sad. I can appreciate what he's done. I can't appreciate him as a person. No. I won't cry, but I'll be like, that sucks. You do good things. Don't you cry. I won't. I won't cry. But, uh, but yeah, and then, yeah, so they're now still doing stuff, though. I mean, I I don't know if they're they're still touring, but... No, I doubt it, but they're doing whatever the fuck they want to do, and... Coming back together here and there. If that's taking a break, then you know what? You deserve it. I suppose you do. I mean, you took a long enough one for Chinese democracy. Yeah. Go get yourself an ice cream cone. No! Hey, he's not Fat Axel anymore. No more ice cream cones for him. Oh, do you lose weight? Oh, yeah, he lost the weight. Oh, good for him. I think he also took the cornrows out, so choices better ones (laughs) mostly with the cornrows yeah don't wear those when you're a white man you can't do that stop it yeah and have a history of calling black people the n-word yeah you can't just just stop doing that i mean but for everything but for all what it's worth you know they did they're god how many bands have they influenced right i mean they've influenced a lot of bands that we listen to today and they're important to our history of music and arguably, they really helped and were a major influence on, like, the Los Angeles hard rock hair metal scene. Oh, yeah. That really blew up because of them. Yeah. They were, you know, the first ones out of that scene, the first ones to really make it big. And 
the first ones to make that whole bad boy image really cool. Yeah, like it wasn't even it was like an an untouchable thing. Yeah, and it was different than the popular hair metal bands like Poison and stuff and Rat and Dokken and whatever. Like if you looked at Motley Crue, you're thinking, "I'm gonna get Hep Motley C. Crue." But if you look at Guns N' Roses, you thought, well, I'm going to get addicted to heroin. You thought, hmm, responsible heroin addicts. Yeah. I'm going to go with them. But Motley Crue, like, meth? (laughs) (laughs) The meth incident? Meth? Meth? (laughs) That would be my Motley Crue album. Just a cover of meth. The meth incident? Meth? The hep C incident? (laughs) Tommy Lee? Woof. We'll get we'll get to that someday. Arguably Guns N' Roses had better looking members than Motley Crue did. Oh. A hundred (laughs) percent. Easily. Yeah. I don't think any of them have aged better than the other though. I think they're all pretty much the same. And they're all touring again though. They're all back together and they're all Hey man. Because money and age. You know what? Yeah. You only live once. Duff still looks good. Oh, I'm still, I'm still on the Duff train, man. Oh, well, I'm oh. on it. Never like, getting off it. I like that Duff dick. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? Duff dick. Yeah. Yeah. Man. What a ride. Guns and Roses is complicated. <laughs> yeah. That's like, a good way to sum it up. Like, I'm with you. Like, I'm really tired now. We probably... Now you know how I felt all week. Guns N' Roses, you know what? Good for you. Way to be a band. Way to way to be crazy. But also, like, don't be racist and don't do heroin. Yeah. I, I think mean, if that's if there's any moral of the story, those are the ones to get from I it. will give it to Axel if he is a a non Trump supporter. Yeah. I'm, been... I'm good with Closing up the Guns N' Roses shop right now. Yeah. I mean, it was a good shop, though. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, it was a good time. <laughs> some of you were probably like, wow, why don't you guys like Guns N' Roses more? And some of you were probably like, wow, why do you guys give Guns N' Roses so no, much credit? I mean... And some of you were probably like, yeah, they did a fair job. When it comes to the music, uh, they are 100% nostalgic. Yeah. For me... Um, when it comes to who they are as people, um, Axel, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. I'm, I'm good without Axel Rose in my life. But everybody else seems pretty chill. Everyone else, well, no, Steven Adler also has a lot of domestic abuse in his background. So oh, cool. Not cool with that. I don't know about Slash. I can't. I I think Slash is okay. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I have no reason to think worse of Slash. I'm gonna go middle of the road with Slash. Hey, I have had a cool upbringing. Whoa, wait a minute! If his mom, photo or his mom did fashion for David Bowie, right? And then Axel punched then Axel him. Fucking pu- How the fuck could Slash hang out with fucking Axel Rose? <laughs> He's a racist. <laughs> And he's a homophobe, and he punched David Bowie. You know why? Heroin. Oh, heroin will do that to you. Hey, guys, you know what? Don't do heroin. Don't do it. It'll make you think it's okay to punch David Bowie in the face. (laughs) And it's never okay. It's never okay. It's never okay. It's never okay. 
I think that's I think that's what we really need to end this on. Don't punch David Bowie Don't in the face. Don't fucking punch David Bowie in the face. Period. Period. Anyway. You know, you know what you can do? Just follow us on social media. Yay. Yay. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rock Candy Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. And our website is www.rockcandypodcast.com. And if you're feeling saucy, you're feeling generous, you're feeling a little nice and you enjoy us, why don't you leave us a five-star review on iTunes? Or even a four-star. We'll take a four-star review. It costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. It means everything to us. But it's priceless to us. It is, but no, like it is, though. It really we, is. We need, your, we need your approval. Just give us a fucking review. Do it. For love of God. We love you. <laughs> and with that, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy kids out there. Go to bed. Good night.